Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, we're talking about sharing and about how sometimes when we get older, we forget the lessons we learn as kids. We're simply calling this one the one where we learn to share. So we hope you'll sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how are we doing this week? Doing all right. How are you, Nate? I am doing wonderful. I feel like it's been a long time since we talked, and it hasn't been as long as it has since we put out a podcast, but our last one, we had major audio difficulties, didn't we? Yes, and so we're trying a different means of recording today. Yeah, I think it's going to work. I... uh, I'm just noticing I might need to turn my record level down a little bit, but um, yeah, I think it's going to work, and I'm sorry about the last one, because I think we had some really good stuff, but what's been going on in your life lately? Oh, you know, it's just the first of the year is always chock full of uh, things to do, uh, new new opportunities, new experiences, and so we've just been, I've been trying to find the routine for 2020. Yeah, me too. And with our district, I don't know about your district, but our year end in the church year is like February. So all the stuff we have to do to end our year Mm -hmm. comes right after the new year. And so it's kind of weird because everybody kind of takes a deep breath after Christmas. And then you look up and you're like, oh, I have a year is over. The (laughs) church year is over. So now I have to report and I have to uh, go, I, we, we go and give verbal reports over a video, um, and then we have to write our written reports, and we have to fill out our numbers and all those kind of things. And so it's like you take a deep breath, and all of a sudden then you're having board elections, which I know you guys aren't probably at the stage where you're voting on board members yet, but we have all kinds of things going on, and so I feel you. So it's hard to get together a little bit. It, it really is, and um, this this uh, January has come with, uh, you know, all of those things, but then uh, kind of the feeling for me that I needed to take a retreat, and so uh, yeah, our yeah our our you district does a prayer retreat down there. We have a prayer retreat in January, and uh, so I went to that, spent some good time with uh, with some folks that I love and enjoy their company, but really spent some quality time with the Lord. So it was good. It was really good. That is good. Man, our January has been crazy, and I don't really know what's going on except for just lots of people showing up at church. It's been like a really good, uh, you know, the spirit's been really good in the services. I think I'm going to put out more chairs for this Sunday. It's just like uh, kind of been a real renewal, and it's not just like not just a new year thing. It's kind of been coming on for a little while, so... That's kind of exciting for me. It's been a been a cool deal. So, started my last semester of classes, 
I think that's another reason why we haven't been getting together as well this year because my <laughs> classes fall on the day that we used to record. So yeah, yeah. Um, Mas- both semesters. Soon enough, you'll be Master Nate Cook. Yeah, I will be referred to as Master when we talk yeah. from then on. Yeah, it'll be. I feel like I will be really good at making Christmas candy because I'll be a master of divinity. That's a really that's a dad joke right there. That's a a dad yeah. pastor joke. Those are that's really pastor really dad. dad joke combined together. That's yeah. yeah, that's rough. But I enjoyed it because I, I am both of those will, things too. So I will expect people to refer to me as master, kind of like Master Yoda. Master Yoda, Master Windu. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So, I, oh, how come? How come is that? I don't. That's not good English. But that's what I said. How come is that, master? <laughs> yeah. Why? I, why no, do we not? Why I do we won't. call people doctor, but we don't yeah. call people master? Or I really don't want to be called that, Michael. Oh, and I'm. I've never. I've never looked this up. But do you know why a bachelor's degree is called a bachelor's degree? I. I honestly don't. Yeah, I have I no mean, idea. I that would be interesting it, to figure out. Yeah, it's nothing like like a bachelor party. <laughs> no one. I have I have a bachelor of science degree, which there's a lot of jokes about that when you start talking about the initials. I got a BS from college, and <laughs> some of my professors might have thought that was true. So um, this past Sunday, I had the privilege of having both my children at home. Your daughter was at our house, so we had several kids just come to church, and then they stayed over for lunch, and then we had about 15 or 16 SNU students at our Super Bowl party, and that was so much fun. Was it a planned Super Bowl party, or did you just say, oh, I guess all these people are here, so I have to do something? No, we were ready for it. Okay. Uh, uh, During the week. We said, we at least need to know how many of your friends are going to come. Like, if it's going to snowball, that's okay. But it needs to snowball in such a way that we have food prepared. <laughs> yeah, no lie. I don't want to miss the entire was, game because I'm in the kitchen making more food for all these people well, to show Well, you up. know it's not going to be me in the kitchen. Like, Paula is the <laughs> right. cook in our family. Before she was a cook, she was a cook. <laughs> and she just excels in those situations. And okay. so she made one of the favorites from all of our kids. Including Noah. <laughs> so Noah, Noah, like, told her early in the week, you know, these these little sandwiches you make? He calls them Paula's Party Poppers. They're, like, they're his favorite. And she, he was like, could we have those on Sunday? And then it was like she made something Nathan-like and something Tyler-like and something Kobe-like. And so it was like all of our children, including Noah, got their favorite snack. And you know what? We got to watch uh, J-Lo and Shakira shake their booties together. <laughs> Everybody came over to watch. The, we uh, could have a whole podcast just on... Oh, oh man. Yeah. I, no, there, I it blew up. Facebook friends. It I, blew up. I actually unfriended some people because of the rhetoric surrounding J-Lo and Shakira. And I was just tired of it. And I was like, I need a break from you. Sorry. See ya. Yeah. No, I, but I, I'm I get not, it. I don't think I, didn't I really at, want to get into yeah. all that. I don't. Today. I don't care to talk about it. Um, it was a. It was a half, Super Bowl halftime show, and you it was kind of expected. It, at some there point. was a lot of pyrotechnics and a lot of dancing and a lot of music. As, it was what it is every as, year. As soon as the poll was 
like sided. I was like, she's not really, because you know, you knew she had the Hustlers movie that was out, and then I'm like, yeah, she is really, and uh, my wife was like, you know, I know those girls are like really talented dancers. I could just do with a few less crotch shots. That was her take on it. <laughs> the um... I, yeah, the crotch shots were a little much for. What I thought was interesting is that, you know, we're in a room full of college students. And so I, I thought their reactions were interesting because when it's when it's college students kind of cringing, then you're like, OK, maybe we could have cut back on some of that. Yeah. You know, what I thought was funny. It was after uh, Janet Jackson and uh, Justin her, Timberlake. Her slip, yeah. Yeah. Slip of the nip. Um, what I thought was hilarious was it was like the neck few Super Bowls, it was like, we're going to get some old dudes that are like rockers from the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because because they will, if no one's going to want to see them without any clothes on. Yeah. And well, then it's kind of gradually come back. Yeah. That, and, and honestly, that uh, Janet Jackson, I think that was Justin's fault. That wasn't her fault. Yeah, I blame Justin yeah, for that one. He did, he did that. Um, Although there was, you know, conspiracy theories. Was it planned or was it? Yeah, I don't know. It was. But yeah. I mean, it's been a long time coming that I'm like, I don't watch like the Grammys. I don't watch like um, a lot of the Academy shows because that stuff just doesn't interest me. And I don't really care as much about the Super Bowl as the game. I mean, the halftime show as the game. Uh, well, I'm, I'm more about the game. I didn't think I cared about any of it this year. Like, I said. I like the Chiefs. I like the I said, play. I'm like, people said, uh, are you going to are you going to watch the Super Bowl? And I said, yeah, who's in it? You know, and things like that, because I wasn't, I really wasn't paying attention at all. And, you know, if I'm, I'm going to show my old guy attitude on NFL, uh, old Texan <laughs> attitude, ever since they fired Tom Landry on the radio, there you it go. just hasn't been the same. <laughs> Dude, know? I heard so much about that. I was in, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth when that happened. Yeah. And there were people in my church that were like, we will never support the Cowboys again. <laughs> of course they did. Oh, sure. But it was like, Tom Landry is like a saint, and Jerry <laughs> Jones was like the devil <laughs> at that point. Yes. And, and I mean, I'm still not a huge Jerry Jones fan. I was a big Jimmy Johnson fan because he would, like, stand up to Jerry Jones. But then he got fired. Then he got um, fired. <laughs> so it happens so, when you stand up to Jerry Jones. Yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, we've gone on more about the Super Bowl than we probably should have. Yeah. Uh, I had a question for you. Sure. And, and this is with political season right on our heels again, which I've said many a time, like the hardest time to be a pastor is during an election year. So here's my question. Why, why is it that when I look at the Gospels, Jesus never is railing against Caesar Jesus is never like railing against the death penalty, even though they're hanging people up on crosses all around him. Like, like we never get those snapshots of Jesus, like coming after the government. If Jesus comes after some form of institutional, uh, some institution, it seems to be the church. So that's my thoughts, because I have a lot of pastor friends who feel like it's their their sole obligation in life to tell us about how the government should work, to rail against either the Republicans or the Democrats. Um, and I, w- I wonder if we haven't gotten a little off base. I think people base their like 
their reason for doing that out of the profits, like, okay, so I'm going to be the prophet for the 21st. Yeah. Are we in the 21st century still? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I heard the 21st century talked about so much before we even got to it that somehow in my mind just then I was like, we're not in the 22nd. No. <laughs> no, um, we're not. We're still in the 21st. That's a ways away. I we don't are. think I will see that. We're way. only 20 years into the 21st. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm sorry. But um, what, do you have thoughts on that? I, I do. I have lots of thoughts on that, actually. I, and I would love to hear them. I think and you, I did not let you know what the question was going to be because <laughs> no, I wanted to... You just told me you had a question for me. So my, my answer to that is that uh, I think Jesus understands that... Uh, change in a massive way uh, tends to be more about coercion than passion or compassion or or dream. Ooh, I like that. Um, and so... Coercion. W- yeah. So whenever we... Whenever political systems... When we want the Force power. change. Yeah. When they force change, that is really just a power struggle. And it has very little to do with the common man. And so Jesus' answer to all of this was love your neighbor as yourself. And so the kingdom exists between neighbors, not between political powers. I kind of had a feeling you were going to say that. Because <laughs> that's... Like, like love the person right in front of you. Just right in front of you. Like, it, you know. It's so easy to call out everybody else's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, and to get so angry at leaders. Yeah. But it's so much harder just to love the person that annoys you who's sure. your next door neighbor. Yeah, like if, <laughs> if, if there'd be a lot less uh, rhetoric on Facebook if, you know, one of Shakira's dancers was your neighbor. Yeah. Worry about right. her. You know, how's she yeah. doing? Does she have everything she needs? Or if you Does actually she... knew Shakira. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, or J-Lo. Or J-Lo. I think J-Lo and... took the biggest hit. In, in all of the Super Bowl yeah. statements. But, um, you know, I mean, that that's the thing. Is this really hard to hate the person that you're in a relationship with? It, uh, it's like this. Uh, back in the day when the farmer had to come to the blacksmith to get what he needed to do his work. Um, you know, he had to have his plowshare repaired or whatever. And the farmer's daughter fell in love with the blacksmith's son. And then they had meals together makes it really hard to cheat and oppress and swindle uh, the people that you are doing life together with. And so we're not, we're just not in the habit of doing life together. We, we call it social media, but it's not as social. It's not as social as we, as we like to think it is. It's uh, people contributing to a conversation that will never see each other face to face. You know, it's like that, uh, AT&T commercial that used to say, reach out and touch someone, but you're not really touching anybody. I mean, there's some of the intimacy that can be had is removed. I understand, you know, like uh, people would say, well, we had a long distance relationship before we ever got together. Uh, And and that built the quality and laid the foundation because it was mostly words. And uh, and I appreciate that, you know, I mean, people write letters and those kind of things and they communicate without touching, but uh, there is something very intimate about being in the same room with another person. Whenever we do this podcast, and we do it via, uh, you know, electronic uh, helpers uh, like you know FaceTime or or whatever we're using at the time, um, there's some qualitative 
uh, difference when we're in the same space. And we've even heard this from some of the folks who've listened in. Uh, Lisa Jones. Yeah, there's once, a different energy. Yeah. Lisa Jones told me one time, she said, my favorite episodes are the ones where you're in the same room. Like, and you can tell that right. you're, you're at the same table having those conversations. You know, I think Brent Green has said that too. And uh, there's some folks yeah. who've encouraged us that when we're together, something's better. Yeah, and I think I think that's part of the deal. And, and I... That's why for me, I've, I've kind of backed off of any kind of discussion about politics and stuff on social media. Like if you wanna, if you wanna talk to me about uh, political views, I'd love to like have a cup of coffee, but if you're not close enough to do that, then probably I'm not gonna get deeply into any kind of political sure. discussion because so many of the times that's just a, a way for someone to kind of shoot their shot at trying to shut you down. You know, it's like, sure. Um, we, we want to see that we can prove that we're right. And, and the funny thing is there's so much partisanship in the media. There's so yeah. much partisanship, you know, you have to really work hard to get any kind of factual understanding of what's really going on. So, or have a conversation week, about the philosophy of it. We don't have philosophical, yeah. you know, discussion anymore. Because we can't have that conversation without totally annihilating someone's character in this conversation. Yeah. We were not having a conversation about people. We were having a conversation about political ideologies. And yeah. all of a sudden, now we're having a conversation about what this person said or what this person said, rather than, right. rather than the, the, the philosophy itself. And so uh, it really becomes a gossip session. Yeah, and I've, I've said this before, but I really think that where we as the church could really learn is instead of just getting on our, you know, social justice tirade or whatever, our Republican Party platform online would be to, to create something different in our communities. So is there a way for us to create something that looks different than all the partisanship when we meet together. And, and I think that's one of the things I love that I feel like is going on at my church right now is, is we have people with very different beliefs. I mean, I see, I see posts on social media from, you know, people that support Trump right now, to people that are very much anti Trump right now, you know, and, oh, yeah. and just things that are going on. Yeah. Um, like Nancy, and, Nancy and Pelosi yet, tearing up that paper. Yeah. Like was polarizing. There were people who oh, yeah. were like, "Yeah, Nancy tear it up," and there were people who were like, "That is yeah. so rude." You know, like and you had and people wanted yeah. and even further like she should be tried for destroying a public document that's <laughs> yeah. you know, there's some law about doing that and, and mm -hmm. people trying to use that kind of law against her. And I'm like, yeah. you know, but but what what I'm seeing um is we're we're trying to learn how to coexist together to love each other and what's amazing is like you said uh, when we get together um, we're a lot less brash about our argument we're we're much more understanding of the other person because we know them
like we're doing stuff right now. We've we've kind of switched up our Wednesday nights where we're going to have a family game night this Wednesday. Oh, that's and, cool. And we're going to, from the oldest to the youngest, gather together and, you know, maybe teach some of the younger kids games and um, have some games that older folks play um, that, that we'll all learn together and just have tables where we get together and and that's our Wednesday night this week. That's what discipleship looks like because it's it's about learning to be together in the midst of differences and um, preferences being sure. different. And, sure. You know, like what would it mean for a five-year-old to learn how to play 42, right? You know, I mean, that's not a game <laughs> a lot of five-year-olds know how to play. No, but. it's not. And it is a game where some uh, people who do play it get a little bit uh, serious about it. Oh yeah. yeah, and and we'll have to learn how to deal with that and, because yeah. are you going to do that with a five year old at the table? Got people talking trash. <laughs> Noah's talking trash to one of our uh, ladies who who her sister helps make these homemade games. They're kind of like sorry called fast track, and Noah learned how to play it over Christmas, so he's talking smack on our announcement video. Oh okay, That's I thought just, you were going to say that Noah Terry was talking smack about forty two. And that was making me no, want to talk smack to Noah about 42. He so. doesn't know how to play 42, okay. I don't think. You know, he might. Do you know that in my first pastorate uh, in Snyder, Texas, that when I moved there, one of the interview questions was, do you know how to play 42? Really? Uh-huh. And I said, no. And they said, well, you're going to have a hard time being our pastor if you can't learn how to play 42. So you're going to have to learn. So I learned how to play 42, and then, uh, and then we, you know, I had... Uh, I had a regular 42 game, you know, on Sunday nights and it got, it got intense and I got yelled at by some old ladies, uh, from time yeah. to time because they were like, why would you do that? Why would you hold, you know, and then they would, yeah. they would just get, get mad at me. But <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, last time we talked, we also were going to talk about, um, and we may have a few minutes to talk about this, how so many times, like, the things we teach our kids seem to be, like, you know, the things that Jesus taught, like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. If you have two toys, you probably should share two toys. Yeah. Uh, share one with somebody else. And we were, we were thinking about how so often we kind of leave those things behind when we think larger scale about like our lives sure. as adults, um, turn the other cheek, things like that. So what would it look like for us to really believe the things we teach our kids? Yeah, no, I think I grew up believing that, um, that the lessons that we teach our children as individuals uh, couldn't be applied on a large scale. I, I think I, I, Somehow that got washed out of me, and I believe that politics was a different realm. Um, you know, that there were different rules for the way that governments work than for the way a household works. Um, yeah, and I still still have people who would say that to me, and I'm, you know, it's a good question because sure. I'm I, not sure how it all works out. For I you. think one time I heard Colin Powell say something to the uh, effect, you know, and he was Secretary of Defense at the time, I guess. And uh, he said, "You know, uh, these uh, these militias or these uh, these armies that we're fighting in the Middle East are are formed of mostly uh, people who are are being paid to fight, 
right? They're being paid to fight, and the way they're being paid is that their families are being taken care of. So we could seriously undermine the recruiting tactics if we would simply feed their people. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and, and so he was advocating that, that the United States, instead of spending money on weapons, would spend money on food to, uh, to undermine the recruiting efforts uh, among the oppressed, right? Right. And so uh, I just, and I thought, oh, so if we shared, we could undermine an entire war? Like we could, we could stop violence by sharing, uh, you know, and obviously we wouldn't stop at cold turkey and we wouldn't stop it across the board, but we would, uh, we would seriously hamper, like, you know, if a man is picking up a gun so that he can earn money to feed his family and his family was fed, I doubt he would be so eager to pick up the gun, you know, and that was the point that was being made. And I thought, wow, maybe, maybe we could, uh, apply the lessons we teach our children as they're as we're raising them to to the world as a whole and get a lot farther than I thought we could. Yeah, and then that kind of goes back to the idea of Jesus day. You know, instead of you know railing against the Romans, the tactic that Jesus gives is, hey, if a soldier asks you to carry things one mile, go a second mile. Like kind of blow them away with your kindness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, well, know, the zealots would say, that's ridiculous. No, yeah. If they, a soldier they're... asks you to carry your stuff, then, then um, you know, slap them in the face. Or, <laughs> yeah, you, know. you should fight him. Uh, the, right. That whole scene, you know, um, from Jesus was was countercultural and counterintuitive. Cause he's, and Walter Wink really points this out in The Powers That Be, in some other places too, but... Um, that uh, Jesus was being very revolutionary with his his statement, hey, you know, uh, you you should turn the other cheek, you should uh, walk the extra mile, and you should go ahead and get naked in the courtroom, you know, <laughs> and yeah. you know, I mean, like this. Well, yeah, and and not to like be a doormat, but to expose evil for what it is. Yeah, and even like so I if mean, you're just, standing there naked and they've taken everything yeah, from you, yeah. somebody's gonna say. When is enough enough, people? Sure. Well, and then, but you know, next week they're going to have a new law that says you can't get naked in a courtroom, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, the, the, the empire will quickly adjust itself, uh, to, to keep it down. But, um, I think, yeah, I, I think there's probably some things that, um, that we were taught as kids like manners, you know, I was reading a rant. Uh, from a guy on Facebook. See, this is why I don't need to get on Facebook because I just read uh, other I people's feel your pain. rants. And but I was reading a rant about how he was uh, he was making phone calls and he wasn't even making fo- cold phone calls. He was making phone calls to people who had inquired about something, uh, a, a ministry program, a, a masters in ministry program. He's just making phone calls back and he said, "I've I've made phone calls on several different degree plans." And by far the rudest are those who are seeking a ministry, a master's in ministry. He said they were just terribly rude to me. Do they not think that, you know, that it's important to be kind to every human being? Because now I don't want anything to do with any of the uh, organizations that they're a part of. And uh, Oh, wow. And I thought, well, there's a lesson that, you know, we somehow justify our rudeness. We somehow justify our shortness or our... Are you know heavy-handedness in cases uh, 
because of our, our stress or our workload or whatever, but kindness and basic kindness are still important. And you were taught that, you know, when you were getting in line in kindergarten, don't push, don't shove, don't fight for a place in line, be nice to your friend, don't tell people to shut up. You know, just all the things that we teach our children that we're not very good at as adults. Uh, as a matter of fact, most of our entertainment is centered around viewing or listening to somebody break those rules. That just of yeah. simple politeness, like, you know. Right. Uh, but anyway, it's it's an interesting thing that... Uh, so are you calling me out for watching The Office and laughing? <laughs> no. There's a lot of social rules no. and basic politeness that have been Oh, broken. that are broken there, yeah. You know, I was thinking about shame, though, and I was thinking about... Um, I preached about shame about two or three weeks ago. Is there is there a place, is there somebody that, we, that it's okay to shame? Because right now we're in this no-shaming-anyone kind of place. Like... Are we? Well, as a culture... I said the exact opposite. Where, did you really? We shame people all the time. Well, I know we, we oh, do, yeah. but we're in this on attitude Twitter, where we're not um, supposed to be. Like, we, then, oh, okay. So there's, there's like, you shame somebody, and then everybody gets mad at you for shaming them. And, so, and then so this is kind of back and forth that we're having, and we're trying to decide. I guess we're not doing one or the other exclusively, but we are trying to decide as a culture... What is it okay to shame someone for, and what is it not okay to shame someone for? And you know, because we really like for people to feel, uh, you know, a sense of remorse. And I need to see that remorse in order for right. me to forgive you. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. So we're we're kind of in this place where we're trying to figure out where does where's the shame line, and how do we shame properly? Or is there is that well, even a phrase? Can you shame my, someone properly? In my sermon, I was talking about how guilt is how we, uh, you know, it's bad feelings for what you've done, but shame is often feeling bad about who you are. Yeah. And so we, it's not enough, I think, sometimes in our culture to want to people to feel sorry for what they've done. We need them to feel bad about who they are. Um, you know, so many times, like, like my illustration was like people who have done wrong things on like Twitter who've said things that were offensive to others. And so then they get shamed completely out of jobs. And, right. You yeah. Know, shame on no you for shaming no people. Grace. Shame on you no for grace, shaming no people. Much. Right. Like, yeah. just, I, I don't understand. Yeah, so. Like it's kind of a, we're fighting fire with fire. So there, it, this seems right. like one of those places where we could introduce a third way, right? Like right. one of the third way yeah. ways of Jesus. I don't know. Like just, it's probably humor. You know, because I think I think like uh, folks like Dave Chappelle uh, and and guys like him who make those make the kind of jokes that they make are setting out to to make the point, right? They're trying to use humor to shape culture, um, and they and some of them do it very very well. Uh, you know, but I, I think Jesus was inviting us to do very creative things. Right. No, don't just don't just adhere to the status quo because that ha that's what's got us to where we are. Um, but I, I don't know how to I don't know how to get creative always about teaching someone to follow the lessons that they learned as a child. Like I'm not. Yeah, I just want to go. Yeah, what's I, wrong with you? Which is a terrible thing <laughs> to say to people. But, you know, well, and I think, you know, there's a, a point in which we think, well, that's naive 
Um, and you know, <laughs> to follow the, sure. the lessons of a child is naive and you need to grow up and you need to get in the real world. But ultimately, I, I do believe that underlying the real world is every person has those desires uh, by God for love, for acceptance, for so the naive kind of faith like a child is often talked down and well, that won't work in larger scale. But would it work with your neighbor? And I, I go back to, I think the church is supposed to be the place that becomes a light to the world where we, where we can say, if it can work in the smaller context, then perhaps it can spread even further, you know? Um, Agreed. To where we're not so cynical about whether the basic, you know, human decency and sharing. Yeah. You know, I had one friend who used to always brag about how diverse their congregation was. And it was like, yeah, we have these really wealthy people sitting next to, you know, like homeless people. And I, I was always thinking at some point, shouldn't that begin to balance out? <laughs> like, like, shouldn't the homeless people end up having a home? And should the wealthy people not care that they're sitting next to homeless people? You know, so mm-hmm. um, I just remember that pastor was always so proud of that fact. And I kept thinking, well, if we're really about, you know, giving and sharing, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody's get, we're going to go socialism where everybody has the exact same amount, but did you be able to sit? I mean, I, I think it's the book of James. It's kind of like if you see your brother in need and, and you just don't do anything about it, sure. you know, how can the love of God be in you? Sure. Is that James? I think it's James. Yeah, it's James. He says uh, okay. the true, true, it's in a true, true religion discussion, but yes, yeah, yes. I think, uh, I think you're right. I mean, so the beauty of Jesus commandment, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Like Jesus is telling us, you know, telling a group of people who are railing against the political powers of the day. Right. Like, I mean, right. we're in the same situation. They're yes. ra- they're ra- Well, I mean, we're not, <laughs> you know, we have running water and things like that, but, uh, I understand what you're saying. And, He's he says, you're railing against this, but the change you're looking for will happen between you and your neighbor. And I think that's just always Jesus' answer is, why are you, uh, all, all you end up doing is amassing power and, and doing your best to lead armies so that you can kill the people who disagree with you. So let's not do that anymore. Let's, Peter, put down the sword. And, you right. know, uh, so there's just there's so much that we can learn uh, about what it means to what it means to be human uh, from our from the divine experience of of Jesus. You know, he was here. He was standing in front of us as a human being and uh, acting as the divine. And I think yeah, and he refused to kind of yeah. jump into that system and yeah. work within the same system. So. He, he, I, he just never let it happen on the same grounds. Like he did, he said, you're not going to set the rules for our engagement. Right? right? Like he never let anybody set the rules for the engagement. He always like, said... Like, should we give to Caesar or to the church? Yeah. And he said... <laughs> and he's like, yeah, give to Caesar what's Caesar and give to God what is God. Which is beautiful because he shows a denarii that has a coin, that has an image of Caesar on it. Well, the only thing that has the image of God on it 
is us. Yeah, I love that passage. Right, that's yeah. so powerful because to give your whole self to God. Yeah, give the thing with the image of <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, we could do a whole thing on that. Probably. Um, yeah. Well, I uh, I think maybe it has to start right where we're at, like you're saying, with your neighbor, with your family, um, and then it it should I think spread to our communities of faith. And then spread to the people that we are in contact with in our cities, and and yeah. really, that's how grassroots efforts really work. Well, and I'd like to say this: don't rush it. Like, I think sometimes we rush that. We walk over, we say, "Hi, my name is so and so, and I live right here, and now we're neighbors, and I love you, and here we go." And then, and we go and we meet all of our neighbors, and we think that that's it. Now I know right. my neighbor. Um, and then, and so now I'm off to my activist, you know, group where now we're going to do something really huge in the city. And we're always, we're always dreaming for something big, but we, but we seem to be a pretty embittered folk whenever we dream, we only dream uh, really, really big and those things never come to fruition. And then all we do is get bitter and then we get mad at God and say, God, why aren't you making this happen? But we've done very little to nurture the relationship with our neighbor. And that's what he invited us to do. Yeah. And and that's where the real change is going to happen, you know. Um if if I meet somebody who is suffering at the hand of someone else uh and I can help them and I can make a difference in that. You know, I may not be able to end human trafficking worldwide, but I but I might be able to help my my neighbor uh create an environment so that his so that none of his children end up in that scene, you know. I might be able to create a safe neighborhood where we care for one another. We look out for one another. I might be able to, you know, do those things. And I'm not I'm not saying that so that cuz ignorance is bliss and we should just ignore the world's problems. I I'm not saying that at all. But if we don't at least start with loving our neighbor, then how how do we expect to solve worldwide pro, pro, problems if we're not doing this very simple thing? Yeah, and I think uh I think that's where it definitely starts. And I think, uh, you know, you look at like Mother Teresa, who was always talking about doing small things with great love. Mm-hmm. Um, that that should be kind of our beginning focus. And and I believe, you know, God will, God will do the larger works. I see so many people wanting to do the big thing, like you say, but the motivations seem to be kind of anger. And there seems to be a... Yeah a sense that there's just it's just a reaction to the other side of things and so right well it's not any more loving it's just we all want opposite extreme we all want callings we all want to receive a calling the question is is are you asking for a calling that is bigger than your character yeah oh and so you you have to say my you know and, and we prove our character or we we grow our character or we you know experience good character in loving our neighbor like this right. is this is the lesson that God taught us early on. Love your neighbor, and in that relationship, you will develop all of the things that will help you answer your calling. Right. You know, because eventually, that loving of neighbor will there'll be something that sparks within you that God has put on your heart and gives you direction and wisdom as to how then maybe that can expand. Um, and maybe it'll just catch on with your neighbors and then they will expand it and you might not ever get any credit for it. 
That would be crazy. Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor. Came right back to Mr. Rogers. Always does, every time. Hey, well, speaking of loving your neighbor, um, I am going to watch a couple of kids so <laughs> one of our young adults can go out to uh, on a date today. So mm -hmm. they're probably here right about now. So I may need to let you go. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk just to you soon. You know, I've, I've missed talking to you. Yeah. Love same you, man. Here. And I hope you have a great week. Love you too. Maybe we could do one of these in person. I know it's going to be a busy weekend next weekend, but I hear you might be up passing you away. I am. I'm going to head up there to see my baby girl. We'll try to work that out if we can. All right. All right take it easy. Take care. Love you. All right. Bye. See you next time. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.